And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means today I was at FedEx Field along with 63-odd thousand other or 64,000 other view for the sellout opening game won by the Commanders 20-16 to over the Arizona Cardinals. I think the best thing to say about this is they're 1-0. And I'm not saying we leave it at that as in we can't uh, discuss what happened. But you take the first game, you escape, and you move on. Maybe it's not exactly survive in advance like you talk about in the NCAA tournament. But sometimes week one can have that feel, especially when you're playing a team like Arizona, where, you know, as we know, quarterback, they only signed a couple weeks ago, a lot of random pieces, new head coach. But the Commanders did survive, and here to talk about the episode, or sorry, the game with me today, is our pal Michael Phillips, who is starting a new radio gig Monday. We'll talk about that, and you'll get some information on that in just a moment here on the Standing Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. And if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, I've got an article up post-game about my thoughts on this game with an assist from, of all people, Robert Griffin III. We'll talk about him in just a moment. Um, so you can go check that out. David Aldridge wrote about the scene today as well. Um, so Michael and I talked a lot about the game and a little bit about the scene, but let's also talk about what this day represented, right? For the last, you know, when, when the sale happened towards the end of July, and since then, you know, I feel like the DMV has been on a high pretty much those who care about the commanders and probably even those who don't because I'm sure they were sick and tired of hearing about all the the nonsense, the bad people doing bad things for the last couple of years. And um, this was what it was all building to. They had a, a, a lot of activities this week. Josh Harris spoke to the media on Friday down in dc at the rally at franklin park other players were down there as well i saw a lot of you there um the day before that magic johnson spoke at a boys and girls club event um the day before that josh harris and mitch rails were at the economic club discussing their vision of of what of things to come and you know the team has done other stuff as well and then of course today they had a ton of alumni there and you know, I don't mean this in a neck. I don't mean this in a funny way, but like we see Fred Smoot and like Doc Walker around a lot, right? But I'm talking about obviously, and even Joe Theismann, John Riggins was there. I can't remember the last time I saw John Riggins at a game. He was, you know, at some point became one of the guys who was, you know, anti Dan Snyder, which frankly was a lot of them. But I think he had more of a, you know, hey, I'm not gonna be around the team and so on. He was there. Uh, they showed him on the one point on the jumbotron in a box. He, uh, I was hoping he'd be wearing his 44 jersey the way he did at the last game at RFK, but 
he had a jacket and he kind of opened up the jacket and you could see inside it looked like to me the old Redskins logo was sewn in there. So that was interesting, as you can imagine. Um, they brought out several of the alumni to speak with the media um, before the game. I mentioned Theismann, Dexter Manley, Charles Mann. And then two interesting ones. Champ Bailey was there. Champ Bailey, of course, traded many moons ago to the Denver Broncos in a deal for Clinton Portis that has, even though Clinton Portis was a really good player, it went down as one of the most infamous deals this franchise has made. They tacked on a second round pick. And interestingly enough, when you look at this debate that's going on in the league right now about how much running backs should get paid, go back to that. Part of the deal why people were not happy about that was you don't trade a cornerback or a running back, even one as good as Porter. So the, the, the value of running backs has been in question for many, many, many years. Anyway, he was there. Um, you know, like other guys, he just said he never felt the timing was right to come back. Clearly, we're talking about Snyder. He was, you know, he's back right away here. And uh, I, I may, I'm going to try to play some of him, his, his uh, conversation with the media. It was loud there where we were. So if it doesn't sound great, I may not play it, but, um, Nonetheless, I'll, I'll try to play that for a couple of moments because Champ Bailey, I mean, I know for me, it was always, a you know, when I was still a fan of the team, my thought was I wanted to buy a new jersey at that point, and I was thinking about Champ Bailey, but I wanted to get him to sign an extension because you don't want to get the, you know, you don't want to get the, the jersey and then he leaves. Sure enough, he got traded the next offseason. So, um, and, and I do think the exit was, I don't, I don't think he was like sad to leave, even though he was telling us he didn't want to leave. I think everybody was kind of happy to separate, but the deal itself was just not the best one. Anyway, and then lastly, Robert Griffin III, as I mentioned, came out and talked to us and he said some of the same things as Bailey that, you know, it just hadn't felt right to come back. He'd only come back as a player for another team, not voluntarily the way he did here, but he was liking, you know, he said a lot of these guys said that Tim Hightower, the head of their, alumni uh group that he has been really good at reaching out to everybody to try to get them to come back uh, if, if you didn't see it griffin shot a promo for the team ahead of this game he said he did it a couple weeks ago which was a really slick promotion i thought about you know people coming back to the game and all that stuff um but one thing rg3 said to me that i thought was interesting that i used in my story was he talked about I asked him, I was like, okay, well, look, you're an analyst now. So give us your view on the commanders. What's your take? And here, here's what he said. This is before the game. It has to start with the defense. Shut down the run and get the ball back to Sam Howell. Give him opportunities to continue to grow. You don't want to be down in a game 21 nothing, and then ask Sam Howell to throw the ball 45 times. Well, okay, they didn't go down 21 nothing, and they only trailed, trailed by as much as six points. Um, at 16 to 10 in the third quarter and how threw the ball 31 times that said what he laid out here is basically how they won the game the defense forced two turnovers they had three sacks Montez Sweat was an absolute beast in this game one and a half sacks he had a strip sack to force a fumble that led to um, Sam House uh, six yard run um, RG3 later added let me see if I can find the quote he he talked he but also before the game he talked about uh you know we all know that Hal can move the ball with his legs 
and um, RG3, in talking about it from the whole year kind of standpoint, said, watch out for his for how running. And he said, quote, I think you'll see some fireworks with him running the football. You know, bring back memories <clears throat> for a lot of people and at the same time play winning football. I'm assuming he means memories of himself. And obviously 2012 was incredibly exciting um, and all that. But, you know, pretty, pretty prescient comments from RG3. He's talking again about the season. But in terms of what happened in this game, I do think it, it played out kind of as he laid out. Um there's a lot to discuss, you know, uh, just getting home. Uh, you, you guys have maybe heard, may, heard me say this before. The press box location, it's in the back of the end zone, right behind where the team runs to the locker room. And, you know, when anything, when the ball's on the other end of the 50, it's just honestly hard to see what's happening. And you don't want to watch TV the whole time and all that stuff. So I need to go back and watch the tape to get a feel for what happened. But, Ultimately, the game felt very familiar to things we saw last year. The offense was very up and down, and the defense had to come in and make a bunch of big plays to save the day. Arizona's only touchdown came on defense when they uh, forced uh, a fumble on Howe on a sack and and got a two yard touchdown. Other than that, you know their their offense didn't do much. Again, not a surprise. But Josh Dobbs did okay. But like in terms of you know the guy that's been there for two weeks, he's only been a journeyman kind of quarterback anyway. Uh, and then, you know, they they don't have, you know, they have some nice players, James Conner. I mentioned Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown, but, and they have a first round pick pairs, Johnson starting on the line. But, you know, they're going to, they're the team that everybody thinks will finish in, in the worst in the league and get Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback. And that's the team that Washington really kind of struggled with for most of the game. Uh, Ron Rivera did not sound particularly happy um, with what he saw, but it is week one. We do have to remember that. Um, we'll see. So I am legit excited to go watch the tape when it's the all 22 when it's available, especially with see how Eric Bieniemy's offense went and so on. So look forward to that and sharing some insight with you guys on that. But they won the game, and ultimately that is what matters the most. And next week they're at Denver, so the schedule's only going to get harder from here. This was the easy one. Everything else is going to be a challenge on paper. Um, all right, let's get to my conversation with Michael Phillips. Uh, Michael is at Michael P in RVA, as in in Richmond, Virginia, on Twitter. Uh, and I said well, he's got a new radio show in Richmond to discuss, but everybody, even in the D.C. area, there's a way to listen to it as well. So let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Michael Phillips talking about the commander's week one win here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right. Um, I have journeyed back from FedEx Field back to the home base to uh, to talk about what happened today with my guy, longtime guest, friend of the podcast, and uh, the new host on nine ten the fan in Richmond from ten to noon, starting tomorrow, which you can also find on the Odyssey app. Here he is, America's favorite guest, Michael Phillips. My guy, how are you? Thank you, longtime guest, first time host. Um... I have been at every game at FedEx Field that's been played since the end of 2012 season. Um, and the one time there's actual juice, I'm not there. It was a little weird. But, uh, you know, I, I thought, hey, this would be a great time to launch a radio show. We'll, we'll be coming off a big win. Lots to talk about. People will be excited. It was a win. I don't know that it was a big win. And I don't know that people are excited. 
but man, the the alternative here was much bleaker. Oh no, no doubt. But I think it's like a good one, a good game for a a radio host because look, there's always a lot of topics. But like if they win thirty one three, you're going all right. Look, they played well, but who knows what it means because Arizona. At least we could say, hey, look, they won the game. Fans went home happy. Josh Harris goes off the walks off the field one and zero. All that stuff, and the defense played pretty well, but the offense has got to clean things up. So there's like good and bad to kind of work with, I think. Oh, ton, tons of radio, uh, you know, lots of other great games to talk about. Of course, you know, down here it's college football land. Um, UVA, James Madison. I don't know if you got the chance to catch that. Just a wild game. Two big swings comes back. JMU wins it at the buzzer 36 35 it's not the buzzer it's the whistle it's football but i you know i got got a couple hours still to get this correct here before <laughs> i go on the air um you know so to, tons of stuff to talk about uh we'll open up the phones um you know i, I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh yeah with regard to this game though i mean shoot even you um i mean you know i i am curious your assessment of how much of the sacks were Sam Howell versus how much were the offensive line. Obviously, neither of us have dug into the coaches' film yet, but I think my look, the offensive line isn't good, and I'm not saying the offensive line's good, but Sam Howell's got a lot of stuff to clean up. I think a lot of that was on him. Um, at some point, I wrote and discussed here that I thought Sam Howell this summer cleared a lot of the basic tests we had for him. You know, I mean, obviously, because he's so young, it's command of the huddle, uh, learning Eric Bieniemy's offense, you know, all that kind of stuff. We know he has the big arm. We know he can run. I thought he was pretty good in all those areas, but the one area that I was concerned about was holding onto the ball too long. It's the one part of his game. Like I remember last year with him thinking like he was almost like a Frank, this uh, Dr. Frankenstein project combining Wentz <laughs> and Taylor Heineke. He has like Heineke's grit, but, and Wentz his big arm, but he has also, um, uh, Wentz is penchant for trying to make the big play. And you saw that a lot in practice, and it definitely played out that way here. I think that was, you know, I have to, go, as you said, watch, go back and watch and see exactly where the breakdowns were. And it looked like Andrew Wiley and maybe Sidney Charles had some struggles at times. But I do agree. I think that how holding on to the ball too long was a primary issue. And it's, you know, one of those things you can clean up, but whether that's cleaned up in two weeks or, two years i you know that that part i'm not sure yet you know uh, yeah, i'm in radio now we all pump the gambling now uh, uh andrew wiley and sadiq charles having troubles was was minus sixteen thousand on on the on the fan duel board there going into the game that was obviously always going to happen um it, it, it's i thought you know look it, the offensive line probably did enough um, to give him the opportunities he needed, the windows he needed. Just, you know, they, this was a turnover-driven game. You know, if, if you want to see this glass half full, you say, look, if you make that turnover story different, um, obviously this is a blowout and they get what they came for. And I think the defense put it together a little bit uh, down the line. I, I You know, obviously, um, you know, the, the giveaways in the first half were, were atrocious and, and certainly led to what you had. Um, your glass half empty. Antonio Gibson coughing up a football in the red zone, man, that is not the tone you want to set for the season. Brian Robinson, three yards a carry. Uh, a lot of things there that, that were not the tone you want to set for the season. Um, and you nailed it. I, I clean up is the word. I think you're going to hear that a lot this week. 
Um, you know, we're glad we won, but we know we have a lot to clean up. And I think everybody will just nod their heads. This isn't this isn't a team coming off a triumphant victory trying to stay humble. This is a team that, that got humbled in victory. Yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera was definitely not excited uh, to be, you know, to be talking about the game at that point. He he used a lot of talking about Sam Howell and others. He he went with the um, they had their moments. <laughs> they had their like, moments. Which is, you know, a nice way of saying they had, a, you know, it's like you're going out on a date and they had a really good personality. I mean, it's not exactly, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a compliment, even if it actually no. sounds like it, if that's the leading um, takeaway. Um, yeah, I, look, the, the offense, I mean, my, my big takeaway in terms of like things I wrote, so. Um, you know, I know you said you you sounded like you had a little bit of FOMO uh, today, which I understand. But like, you know, we, all the alumni were there, so we talked to some of them, including RG three, and uh, you know, he talked about as he, others did, like you know, coming back and all, what you know what it means and all that stuff. But I said, well, you're an analyst. Put your analyst hat on. What's your take of this team? And he's like, well, look, it's going to start with the defense, and they've got to do a good job of you know, helping out Sam Howell. You can't put Sam Howell in a position where he's trailing. You got to give him extra possessions. And that was essentially how the game played out. He They were trailing a little bit, but because it was Arizona, instead of it being 21 points, it was only six points. But they did do enough to get him turnovers and get Howell the ball. And then fortunately in the end, they were able to cash in with those 10 points to to win the game. Um, that, that, that formula was kind of what they did a lot last year. Um, that's not going to work for the season. Uh, the next three weeks, you know, I know Denver lost this week, but De- Denver at home in, in Denver with Russell Wilson, then Josh Allen, then Jalen Hurts. Those offenses will do better. And, uh, you know, Washington's offense can have to do a lot better. So uh, you take the win, you move on. They're going to be, you know, they had so many changes. You figure they're going to struggle a little bit, but yeah, that was not exactly uh, a, a pretty win. No. And, and, you know, one of the advantages of being at home, I, I jumped straight to the Denver game and, uh, you know, you got to got to jump start on on seeing what they're up against. That's an average football team that lost to an average football team in the Raiders today. Uh, the Cardinals are not an average football team. The Cardinals are a bad football team, and uh, I think everybody saw that throughout the game today. You can't possibly. I'm sure the Cardinals will try to internally spin that as look, we we hung close against a solid opponent. But everybody who saw that know that that's a really bad football team on the other side. Um, defensively, I, I mean, I just you know. Sometimes it really is as easy as we make it out to be. We spend all season talking about, hey, this is a really good defense, but they don't take the ball away enough. They don't make enough impact plays. And man, they made the exact minimum necessary number of impact plays today. Uh, you know, it, it, one one less, and, and, and we're singing a different tune here, but uh, they, they showed up late. They did. Um, they're they're going to need more going forward. And, and, you know, Denver's a great place to go get them. Uh, against an offense that hasn't found its its legs yet. Um, it is hard to, after the offense lays an egg, say, man, you need the defense to do more. But that that's that's what I'm here for. You know, your, Look, your point, the okay. defense needs to do more. No, your point about the interceptions or the lack of turnovers is great. I mean, what the turnovers they did get, um, what came from the defensive line, Montez Sweat with the strip sack, and the other time I think Dobbs just fumbled but the defensive line um, recovered. But we were talking to Derek Forrest after the game, and he was. we were talking about like they uh, had like three potential interceptions they dropped. I asked him, what's the penalty for internally for that? He's like, oh, it's definitely push-ups. Um, 
So a few people are getting some push-ups, but you're right. This is what happened last year. I mean, that's why they, you know, flat out drafted Emmanuel Forbes because they needed to get more of those. But you're right. That's, that's, I'm not saying, look, one game is not the season and there's a long way to go. And you probably really can't judge anything after until like a month goes by. But this is a formula we saw a lot last year. I joked in the press box um, that like if you had been in a coma for nine months or, you know, in the, on the, on the space station or whatever, and you came back and be like, oh, Scott Turner offense not killing it today. You know, like you'd be like, oh, it's the same looking thing. So, you know, they, they've got a little ways to go here um, for sure. Um, I'm curious, you know, obviously there was the game, but then it was also the the other yeah. parts, the nostalgia. Yeah. As you know, when you sit in the press box, the, 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 the pane of glass, which might be bulletproof because it's so thick, I don't know. It's hard to hear a ton. So it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly how loud it got, but on the TV, what was your perception or what did they show you of of the scene and how loud did it seem watching it? Yeah, you you could tell it was a big crowd. They certainly spotlighted everybody there. We got a lot of Josh Harris, as I would imagine. We will get a lot of Josh Harris uh, on TV this year. And he, he made himself visible, too. Um, he was with Sonny late in the game. Um, so that was great to see, of course. Um, you know, he, he was living out his childhood dreams, hanging out with Sonny. Um, hopefully goes better than the last guy who lived out his childhood dreams, uh, hanging out with Sonny, um, by owning the team. Um, but yeah, I, I got the sense the crowd softened during the rain and never quite got the roar back, uh, until the big defensive plays. Um, but I, you know, it, it was a solid crowd. I, I, I don't think FedEx, I mean, the, the number of times I've really felt the crowd at FedEx field, guy who jumped in in 2012 I, I know there were more before that but it, it, it's a small number it's certainly that Cowboys game where they you know win win to make the playoffs there they're in 2012 with RG3 a couple times along the way with Kirk it's, it's not a long list and I didn't get the sense that this is going to go in in that like top tier crowd situation they of course showed RG3 um that dude knows exactly where to be at all times he's Chase Young must have taken lessons from him on how to be where the camera's going to be uh, at all times. Did they, he, did they show RG3 on the field? Yeah. 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 Oh. With his girl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we heard the booze. We heard the booze uh, when the offense stalled out um, at uh, whatever it was at 16 to 10. I, I forget what it was, but there, there was a moment where there's a very clear boo coming from the crowd. That's part of having a home crowd. They haven't had a home crowd in a while. The home crowd can turn on you if, thing, if things don't go well. Uh, I would imagine everybody left happy. So uh, all, all's well that ends well. Um, but yeah, really, it, you you mentioned the rain. The rain, you know how like an E.T., uh, Elliot and E.T. eventually, like they, they're on like the same heart. Like when E.T.'s getting sick, Elliot's getting sick or whatever way. That's how it felt like with the game because it started to rain right about the point that the team started to go down. And if yeah. the Cardinals had been any better, you know, you know, I, like they didn't even score a, an offensive touchdown. Yeah. Um. But th- it was going. And then they did get the turnovers, and then that's when things started to uh to turn. But yes, it was it was kind of like it wasn't if it, general normal game. Washington is struggling against the worst team in the league. I get the booze, but because of the circumstances and the everybody's happy and Dan's gone, I was like. Oh, we're back to football. We we moved on from the celebration. We're back to football. <laughs> back to real life. Back to football. Um, you know, you, you mentioned it felt like a Scott Turner offense stalling out. I would say one thing that 
uh, one thing that we'll really spend a lot of time on this week, I think, is Logan Thomas. Look, they, we all know this is going to be a tight end friendly offense and a tight end heavy offense. Um, I had thought, and I beat the drum for Logan Thomas all offseason. So look, he's got the potential to really put up numbers in this offense. He's a good pass catcher who, who's got you know can can get up, get get a pass, can make a tough catch. Uh, they're going to love that. They're going to go to him often. And uh, I declare myself about 73% correct there, Ben. Um, they, they did clearly love him, and, and they do clearly go to him often. Uh, he, he didn't give enough, though. Uh, he, he did not make enough plays. He did not make enough catches. Uh, I am curious how that balance swings between him and Cole Turner. Turner acknowledging you don't want to overreact after one week, but also uh, you kind of need to react after one week if things aren't going the way you hoped they would. Hundred percent. I was uh, driving home, talking with our uh, friend Scott Jackson, who of course uh, does the pregame or the the, the post game radio, and he also is now hosting. Everybody I know is a radio host now. He's hosting down in Virginia Beach. <laughs> um, but um, you know, we were we were saying like, you know, what were the concerns going into the year? Okay, quarterback, but Sam Howell's a different category because he's just young. Offensive line, tight end, and linebacker. Offensive line, whether how much was Sam House fault or not, they clearly were part of the issue with giving up the sacks. You mentioned Logan Thomas; he had the one ball right in his hands early on, didn't get there. Um, you know, look, he hadn't; he basically missed all of training camp, so I'm not shocked that he would be rusty. But that's also the point of when they decided to bring him back in the first place. It's like, well, he's 32; he had he's you know hasn't been healthy since 2021. You know, what do we do? Or you know, what's the deal there? Or are you going to use Cole Turner more, like you said? And then linebacker, you know, I do want to go back and watch the tape, but I saw at least a couple times where the Cardinals put Rondell Moore, wide receiver, in the backfield. And then they had the one play with the wheel route, which reminded me a lot of the play last year in the home opener against Jacksonville, where Jacksonville had Travis Etienne with the wheel route past Jamin Davis. I think that was for a touchdown. So, um, you know, it didn't look like a great game for the linebackers, but again, it's hard to see everything. So, yeah, the concerns remain the concerns is basically how I would uh, phrase, including what you just said, Logan Thomas. Yeah, you know, I, 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 mediocre players remain mediocre. That you know, certainly, uh, you know, is not probably not going to move the Nielsen needle tomorrow when I when I host the radio show. But it, it is it is one week. Um, there were more concerns than I thought there would be. Um, there there were. There was enough to get them through this week, but I, I was hoping for more. I, I was hoping for more from the linebackers. I was hoping for more. Um, look, this team right now, uh, you know, um, here's the thing. They, the Cowboys look sharp. Uh, the Cowboys look very sharp. Um, the, the Cowboys defense in particular looks sharp. I, I, you know, they look like a bad matchup right now. Uh, Eagles, Jalen Hurts looked fine today, certainly. I, they probably should have lost to the Patriots, but uh, – but, you know, they, they look good. They'll be favorites against these guys. And and the Giants look bad, but the Giants always beat these guys. So, you know, it's it, it's tough sledding in the division from here. I'm not saying, you know, they can't achieve their goals. They can't make the playoffs. But it, it's it's a what we saw today, it, it's a tough road forward. And it it's is. a tough schedule. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, this was, it is ridiculous to say game one of the year is a must win. But this was at minimum I can't lose because of the because of the team and what's up coming upcoming. You know, two road games. The only home game is, you know, arguably Buffalo, arguably the best team in the AFC, or at least one of them. So yeah, I mean, the schedule is uh, you know, they got one of the tougher ones in the league. 
Um, Here, here's uh, the nice thing, and I'll just jump in on this real quick, which is Buffalo fans will be at, at the Bills game here, and so like those tickets are already spoken for. Um, but and then Thursday night, like people don't travel the Beltway on Thursday night, so so that won't be a, a giant crowd or anything. So this was the taste that's going to be in people's mouths for a long time, their experience at FedEx Field. Um, it was very, very important to win this. It also buys them the ability to lose the next couple without the sky falling and it, it's snowballing into something terrible. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I'm excited to, you know, to go watch the the, the tape. We won't get that till the next day or, 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 or two. Um I guess, uh, you know, since you, you know, unfortunately have been away for a little bit, like seeing them play, you said it was just, you know, different for you to not be there. Did you notice anything else that was sort of unique from the from the television standpoint that you may not have noticed um, otherwise or something from like the TV perspective that doesn't completely tell you what's happening because you can't see everything? Sure. Um, And. Part of this is, you know, everybody knows this, like the game of the week gets a better slicker production than than the not game of the week, which which, which was was this one. And uh, the, the call was fine. I, I'm not critiquing the call. Um, but like on on that third down play where Antonio Gibson runs for what might have been a first down, you you're really penalized for not having that extra production value because they, they couldn't produce a replay that showed it was a first down. They just produced a replay that showed yeah, it's probably a first down. Um, and yeah, they probably botched that on the field, but um, you know, that that's pro- that probably was a first down and, and that's a big moment in the game, obviously. So, you know, you, you pay the, you pay the bad game penalty there. You don't get that overturned. Um, you know, I, it look, we, we say this all the time, but it, it's, it's better to watch football on TV than in person. It just is, you know, the production's so sharp. Now the replays are so good. Um, I missed the all, you know, the all 22, essentially, where, you know, I'll I'll go back and watch the coaches film there. I got the sense that this is this would be the thing I really can't confirm until I go watch. I got the sense there were a lot of deep shots to Terry called early or that were available to Sam early where he was double covered and Hal probably correctly made the decision not to pull the trigger. But I got the sense they really wanted one early. Yeah, I don't know if it showed on TV. There was a play in the first quarter. He ends up throwing like a 12-yard completion to Jahan Dotson, but Deami Brown was streaking down the left side. Again, I don't know if it was shown on TV because it was ultimately a completion, so whatever. But Deami was, pre- was pretty open, deep, and it looked like Hal was sort of in that facing that direction, but for whatever reason, he pulled, he went under to um, to Dotson instead. So to your point of deep shots, I mean, there was at least that one there. He did get the 37-yard pass interference penalty to Terry on the one, but... Um, yeah, ultimately, whether it was the line or what, uh, you know, just changing game plan, they didn't uh, take too many shots. By the way, did you notice on the after Montez Sweat with the strap with the strip sack, the balls at like the twenty nine? They ran the of the next seven plays before the touchdown. They they called five runs, one pass was incomplete, and then he dropped back, but then ran for the touchdown so they really and then i believe when that when they got the ball back again it was three, three runs and, yep yeah so whether i mean look you know it worked so it is what it is but like yeah it did seem like they were getting more conservative as the game went on and it's not like they were winning by anything so um you know it's 
You know, and that's situational, too. Once you go up by one against the Arizona Cardinals, you probably have enough to put it in the bank. And they did just put it in the bank. They didn't want any pick sixes or risk anything like that. Very conservative game plan. You know, you you hate to react to the result, of course, and say, oh, because they won, it's okay." But I, I will say this in the moment. I felt good about it. I felt like, hey, this this is this is a game plan that is correctly adjusting to this game. They have a one point lead. The, the top priority here is to stop doing stupid things and leave with the win and then figure the rest out, you know, in Ashburn. All right. And, you know, this is a reminder to people. The first game is not always an, indi- an indication of what's going to happen. Last year, Carson Wentz, four touchdown passes in the first game, over 300 yards. We know what uh, happened after that. Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to spring this on you. I think I think I did this with you already. I can't remember. Um, America's favorite new game that I made up. It still doesn't have a title. And that is like we... Uh, I ask a question, an either-or question, but instead of you saying whether you like... What's that? It's the point line game. Yes, yes. We still, I still need to come up with a name. So here's what I would say. This is the incredibly way too early to make an assessment, but I'm making you make one. Bring it. Off, which offense do you like better at this point? The one from last year or the one from this year? Oh, like, gosh. So, so what's your line on that? Oh, oh Yeah, this year. This year. Um, So... It's, I said, you know, my, my statement all along has been this this team won eight games last couple of years, was held back because of the offense. I think the offense got one game better just by hiring the enemy, you know, even beyond all the other factors. I still believe that today. I, I still think it's this year's offense by, by a game and a half over last year's offense. Um, there were issues today. There are long-term potential issues. There's a scary schedule. Um, but this group is better than last year's group. I, I, I really firmly believe that. So in a point spread, what's the, what's the line this year's group versus last year? I said by, I said one and a half games, but in a point spread, um, like, like they're playing a game against each other and they both have the same neutral defense going against them. I would say this year's group by three and a half. Okay. All right. Different question. Uh, I don't know if it'll be different if I if I identify John Allen or Deron Payne as the other person. So you can choose either of them or whatever. Montez yeah. Sweat looks to me, I mean, it's, you know, he's going into the contract year like Payne did last year. Yeah. We, we, he's always been super close to having the breakout year, but he always comes up a little bit short on sacks. Again, it's only one game, but he looked ferocious out there today. He was the best player, I thought, for either team. One and a half sacks, the forced fumble, all that stuff. So Montez Sweat versus your choice, Allen or Payne, for this year, what's the line on on how that on on how good anybody is going to be for this year? Well, look, Allen was great today. Uh, he was very very good today. So I don't like you know Montez got the numbers and 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 made the big big play and was amazing. I don't want to sell Allen short though. Uh, and look, Payne has his moments too and had his moments today and played very well. And, and I'm not betting against him in a 17 game season either. Um, I get why there's a, a lot of hype around Sweat because of the contract year and because of today's game. I'm going to score this a pick 'em though, um, all, all three of them together as to who is the best defensive player this year. Now, you, you've identified the three who can win that title, obviously, unless like. Forbes gets eight interceptions or, or just, just something outrageous. One of those three is almost certainly going to be the team's best defensive player or chase comes back 
plays 12 games and it's a monster 12 games. Like, but but we're on the fringes here. The 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 main thrust here is one of these three guys is going to be the defensive player of the year. I'm scoring at a full pick em between all three right now. Do you want to disagree with me? I don't actually. I think as I was asking, I was like, I don't even know what my answer would be. So I think <laughs> so I, like like obviously, you know, we're just going off of what has happened in their careers to date. You know, it would be hard to not go with John Allen and Deron Payne did have his breakout year last year, but I just feel like Sweat is poised for this. I mean, to the point where I think they need to start legit thinking about a contract extension. Like, I'm not saying you need to, I'm not talking about one game, but you got to look at the math here. The the defensive end with Joey starting with, you know, Bosa getting his yeah. deal. The, those pass rushers always go huge money. It's not, it's only going to go up. So you got to make a call. Do we want to roll this out and see where he's at at the end of the year? Or do you say, can we get a better deal for us today? I, I think that is something they're going to have to absolutely look at quick. Yeah, and a big part of that I felt like was they didn't want to dispense a contract that they knew would tell Chase Young he wasn't going to be on this team next year. Um, but I think enough writings on the wall. Chase Young knows he's not going to be on this team next year. He's playing for his own contract at this point. All right. Well, Michael Phillips will be back on this podcast whenever he wants. He's also going to be on radio tomorrow, 9, 10 in Richmond, 10 to noon. Uh, I think we're all excited for that. It's always fun to have uh, interesting, smart people talk about this team or sports in general. And then this one comes with bits. And I think the bits are really what I think people want to know. You don't have to, don't, don't, you don't have to spoil anything. I'm sure you've got thoughts in your head. But, you know, that's where you can separate yourself from the pack. How are you going to make, you know, how are you going to make it more? What 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 did your bio used to say? Make sports fun or whatever for uh, the, the paper? We're, we're going to have a ton of fun, a ton of bits. And this is the honest truth. And I'm not I'm not Bill Belichick. You're hyping up the other team's long snapper. Um, you, we're not. This is not a polished, finished product coming out of the gate. Episode sure. one. This is a guy who's figuring out what he's doing. Um but, but I'm going to do it all season. There, there's 17 of these. Um, I promise you, I, you know, th- this is like last season's Detroit Lions potentially, right? Like at the end of the season, you're going to be like, man, he didn't win the Emmy or whatever they give to radio shows. I probably need to look up that up. But he he probably had the, the best weeks 15 through 17 of anybody. And he's clearly the preseason favorite next year. They're going to let him play in the Hall of Fame game or whatever. Ooh, I, I, I like that. Uh analogy all right uh he's also on twitter at michael p in rva as in richmond virginia uh my guy appreciate the time uh and uh and and the insight good luck tomorrow i think uh, we'll all be listening whether live or on the uh, odyssey app go kill it it. and uh look forward to hearing what else you got cooking in when 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 the time is right uh you're doing the promo for me i appreciate it i'll be back at fedex soon you know, I can't stay away forever. Got to come eat some hot dogs uh, now that I'm told that they're uh, they're not lukewarm anymore. Uh, love love being in the stand to groom. Good chat. Thanks, man. All right. Um, big thanks to Michael Phillips. Um, the you can by the way the champ bag thing. I tweeted out the video. It's just a little loud here, so uh, you know you can you can still see it though on at my Twitter at Ben Standing. I did tweet it out, so you can see it there. Um, but that is it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.
as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.